A Minnesota family is facing an uncertain future as their trial dates move closer in connection to January 6th. See the video of the pre-dawn raids that rattled their quiet community as they prepare to go up against the government in court. Next. Rosemary Westbury is my guest. Her husband and three sons have been charged in the wake of January 6th. Basically, your family accounts for half of Minnesota's January 6th defendants, Rosemary. But thank you so much for for joining me and and agreeing to speak out on on all of your family has been through. I really appreciate the opportunity. I think this is something that people really need to understand. It hasn't. You know, people want to sweep it under the rug, but it's still going on. I know you made the trip yourself to Washington, D.C., you've said, along with your family on January 6th, Rosemary. But just start there, just for background, your reasons for wanting to go and your family's reasons for heading to our nation's capital uh, that day. The reason that I I went, I, I felt like I had to go. It was a compulsion within me. And was it for President Trump? I suppose it was. Because 2020, and we all know, was a debacle. But more than that, I felt that God was calling us to go there. And it was something that I could not ignore. I could not ignore that uh, prompting within me. Christmas time of 2021, um, my family and I sat down and we talked about going to Washington, D.C. I mean, we'd talked about it before, but we talked about it. And I said, you know, I I have to uh, make arrangements. We have to get flights. We've got to get, you know, uh, hotel. And so we all sat down together and made the decision. Now, I do have to say my youngest son did not want to go. He was 18 at the time. Pretty much 2020 had been stolen from him. It was his senior year. Wasn't able to have a graduation, none of it. So he did not want to go. And we kind of compelled him and coerced him really into going. So this has been probably the roughest on him. And then explain, uh, it's, I know, a little complex, but where your sons and then where your husband were that day, what they were doing, uh, that they they would eventually be be charged for. And we'll get to those those charges here in in just a bit. But just talk about how that day unfolds. Well, you know, I mean, prior to going to the Capitol, of course, we went and we listened to um, President Trump. There were millions of people there. I mean, literally, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And we stayed for the entire uh, speech. So we, when we got to the Capitol, there were no barriers. There was nothing set up um, that would have made us think that we could not be there. So we, my husband and my sons, went ahead. And, you know, my son Jonah was recording just the whole day because it was very exciting, of course. We'd never been to Washington, D.C. So he recorded and put it on his Snapchat or whatever. And he did go into the Capitol. The doors were open. He looked like a tourist. And it was actually one of his classmates that called the FBI and said, oh, I see somebody that was in the Capitol, and he was a former classmate of mine. And, and so that's that's how this all got started, really. And um, my husband, they they were at the, you know, the door and um, it was open from the inside and then you know there was like a, a group of people that were there and they were pushing 
And so they, you know, my family was trying to get out of that crowd. My husband fell and the police were spraying, you know, like this pepper spray, but it was worse than that. And so, you know, two of my sons picked him up and set him on a bench. So that's his crime was sitting on a bench on the inside of the door um, to try to not be trampled. And then um, Isaac and uh, my son Aaron, the one that is a Navy, he was in the Navy, he... Um, they were, they, they left the area that Bob and Jonah, my, my husband and his other son were. Uh, Jonah brought Bob back to the hotel, uh, cause he couldn't see. I mean, he was just drenched with whatever they were, the police were spraying. They walked on the side of the building and they heard a cry for help. And so there were people working on Roseanne Boylan. We did not know who it was at first. My son, my sons thought that it was um, a man, and she was she was dressed like a man, and she was a bigger lady, and so they thought it was a man that they were working on, and so Aaron said to my son Isaac, Isaac, we have to go help, because they were doing CPR and they could see that, and <clears throat> so they went to the front of the tunnel, the infamous tunnel, and um, they tried to get to Roseanne to help her, um, but they were unable to. So the, the police were spraying, you know, again, this, this very toxic yellow uh, gas. And so it, it, from what I'm told, it sucks the oxygen out of the air. And so they realized they couldn't get to Roseanne. So Aaron told Isaac, let's pick up shields. There were shields on the ground. Pick them up so that she doesn't get sprayed the people that were working on her. So they are the ones, they have felony charges. And I know it doesn't take long, Rosemary, for, for you then to, to see this prosecution uh, start to spread. Your, your son, it sounds like, was called by the FBI shortly after uh, to answer a, a few questions, uh, as you've said. But you end up getting an attorney early on because, you know, obviously you're worried as you see what, what's playing out. But, but then the FBI goes radio silent, uh, essentially until one morning in April of 2021, what happened? So April 9th of 2021, it was 6.30, um, and the police, the FBI came to the door, and, um, you know, the FBI opened up. Well, they didn't wait for anybody to come to the door. They banged in the door. Now, this is the interesting thing. The FBI actually came to my house February of 2021. My son... Jonah lives in an apartment attached to the house that has a separate entrance. They knew that. Well, they didn't go to his entrance. They came to the main door. They banged it in and broke my door in. They are coming in combat style. They have AR-15s. They're, you know, everybody has to get out. They dragged him out um, and they put him in the back of a, a vehicle, brought him down for processing. And um, so he was in a holding cell for hours and hours and hours with leg irons on. He was inside of a cage, basically, with leg irons. And um, and then he was brought before the, the judge, the magistrate, and um, released the same day on conditions. And that was just the first of two pre-dawn yeah. uh, no-knock 
raids. So the next one happens in October of 2021 that we have some video and, and some pictures from as well. But talk about what happens in that case. So that one was uh, far worse. The first time there were maybe 25 to 30 agents. You and the white shirt, keep walking backwards. The second time they came with 50 to 60 agents, they had a SWAT team. They had an MRAM with a machine gun on the top. They had drones and into the house. They're looking through the house. I don't know what they were looking for, but they dragged Aaron, Bob, and Isaac down to be processed. They didn't allow them to get shoes on. They didn't allow them to get phones, nothing, and brought them down. And they were eventually um, released as well the same day under conditions, you know, pre-trial release. It was so over the top. And you can hear in the recording that my neighbor down the street at the very, very end of my street uh, recorded. And this is where I understand they take your electronics, uh, you're forced to get rid of all your firearms, ammunition in your home, compound bows they, they also take with i mean can you even believe even looking back that that this has even happened and you live in a very a quiet minnesota community in in lindstrom and i'm wondering you know what that has even done to to your neighborhood well the first time our neighbors were traumatized well you can imagine both times they were traumatized but the first time of course they didn't know what was going on nobody would you know they call me the christmas cookie lady because i make christmas cookies for everybody every year and, you know, they're wondering what's going on at Christmas cookie lady's house. And <clears throat> so they, the first time and the second time, they were forcing our neighbors to stay in their homes. Uh, you know, don't come out, get back in your house. Well, the second time, you know, it wasn't quite as traumatic. It was traumatic, but it, they, they knew that it was a farce. And my neighbor that's directly next to us was appalled, as you can imagine. And he has the same routine every morning. Um, and that's, you know, that's who you have most of the video from. Um, they, they tried to tell him to get back in his house, to, you know, stay in your house. You're not, you know, you can't leave. And he looked at them and he said, you know, I have a family to feed. I'm going to work. And then he told them, and I'm so proud of him for doing this, he said, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. He said, if I were a mass murderer, you wouldn't come with this much firepower. You ought to be ashamed. Now, we are nonviolent. We've never had, you know, nobody's been in prison. Nobody's been in jail. Nobody's been arrested. None of that stuff. Parking tickets, I suppose, and maybe speeding tickets, but that's it. And so there's, there's, there was no reason for it. And yes, they took all of our firearms, my electronics, and I haven't been charged as of yet, but everything in my house, phone, cell phones, old cell phones, um, computers, everything. They took everything. They, they had us get rid of all of our firearms, um, you know, crossbows. Huh. They even had us get rid of replica, they said replica guns, which were cap guns. They tried to have my son in prison, my son Aaron, in July of 2022, because um, we have this pretrial supervisor that comes every so often to the house. And he was trying to say that a Pony Boy cap gun was a replica. And so they were, they were going to try to put him in, in prison for that. 
And pointing that out to Aaron is the U.S. Navy veteran. He has served three tours, I understand, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, also the one who's outside trying to help uh, Roseanne Boyland in this situation. Your husband, I know, is seen praying on, on Capitol grounds in, in some video. So they're on pretrial release uh, at this point. The trials we know now are, are fast approaching. Uh, talk about that, though. Why not take uh, the plea deals? Uh, you know, what are they, they facing as far as punishment now? Aaron and Isaac are facing the worst. They could face up to 20 years in prison. Bob and Jonah, you know, they can face up to 18 months to two years in prison for absolutely nothing. And yes, Aaron is a veteran. He uh, served proudly. He was a corpsman in the Navy, so he was attached to a Marine unit. If they hear a cry for help, they're not going to run from it. They're going to go towards it, you know, when they heard that cry for help. And talk about then your reasons for wanting to go to, to trial here, Rosemary. Honestly, my family has done nothing wrong. If they take a plea deal, what are they pleading to? Are they agreeing that they're guilty of what? Of, of whatever the government says that they're guilty of? So, so they are standing up for what's right, what's good, what's holy, and what's true. Will the recent de decision by the Supreme Court to take up the charge of, of seeking to obstruct an official proceeding, will that mean anything uh, for your family's cases? So it may uh, mean something, especially if, um, if it impacts President Trump. It may definitely uh, be beneficial for us. So far, they haven't been charged with that. But as you know, with Matthew Perna, who was one of the early um, J6ers who actually committed suicide. It was just too strenuous on him. It was too, he couldn't take it. And that was added on. So they can do anything that they want at any time. Now, my hope and my prayer is that these judges, at least some judge, will take up the cause and will say, enough, enough. Um, our judge honestly has been fairly reasonable you know, he twice, our pretrial supervisor, wanted to put Aaron in prison. The first time was July of 2022. And, you know, he came through the house with, uh, you know, went into my, we all live together. My son rents from me. We ha he has a two-room suite. And my other son rents an apartment. And so this pretrial supervisor went into Aaron's uh, room now, Aaron, his father, is um, it, he was he was black, and so the Civil War, and and in fact, his grandfather, my son's great grandfather, uh, fought in World War One, and he his great great grandfather was born a slave, so the Civil War era was very important, is very important to Aaron, so he has memorabilia from that era. One of the things that he had was, or has still, uh, was cutlery from the Civil War era. And along with that, there were two uh, sharpening, um, knife sharpening steels. Well, this pretrial supervisor tried to say that my son had dangerous weapons in his, <laughs> in his room. So he tried to have him incarcerated. 
And then, of course, you know, on my mantle, there was uh, a Pony Boy cap gun. And um, Aaron had actually given that to uh, I, Jonah when he was a little boy as a gift. So the pretrial supervisor, Brian James, tried to, to say that uh, that was a replica gun. And the judge looked at that and he said, you know, I'm pretty sure I had one of those when I was a little boy. That's a cap gun. Something else I wanted to point out, Rosemary, obviously Lindstrom is not far uh, from Minneapolis where rioters storm a police precinct, set more than a thousand buildings on fire. And in those felony cases, uh, you have the U.S. Attorney's Office charged just 17 people uh, with federal riot and arson. Just four who were responsible for what happened at the third police precinct are charged with those charges. The longest sentence looking into this is four years. Talk about what do you make of this very distinct uh, difference, uh, how these incidents have been treated? It was horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. For 17 to be charged or taken into custody, the longest sentence is four years. And we have people who were nonviolent at the Capitol and they're being charged and put in prison for 20 years, 18 years, 20 years. It's a two-tier justice system. Well, it's not justice. It makes me think, where has our country gone? I'm 63 years old. I'm not, you know, a, a young person anymore. I, I've lived through, you know, Vietnam War. I've lived through, you know, all of the things that the, the assassination, the murder, really, of JFK. And I've never seen anything like this ever, ever. You say so much more is at stake than, than their freedom, talking about your family's freedom, but it's our freedom uh, that's at stake. Speak to that. This is what I tell people, Liz. Honestly, we are the forerunners. And you have to understand, and I believe this wholeheartedly, the way it goes for J6 is the way it goes for the nation. And if people think that they're exempt or they're going to just continue to live their quiet lives, they're sadly mistaken. What happens to the J6ers? I have people that I know that they're nonviolent. They, and they were charged with, with misdemeanors. One friend of mine, his name is Isaac Yoder. He's from uh, Nevada, Missouri. He has a wife and three little children and just an upstanding citizen. He owns his own business. He's a, a locksmith. He went and he had a bench trial because he thought, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get a fair uh, jury trial in Washington, D.C. They vote 98% Democrat, and they hate Trump and all he stands for. There's There's no freedom and fairness in that. So he said, well, at least if I go to the judge, he has to adhere to the law. Well, the judge was uninterested, really, in anything that, that Isaac's defense attorney had to say. And, in fact, according to Isaac and his wife, the judge said, well, I believe you, but I'm going to sentence you. I'm going to find you guilty. Now, that's from them. I wasn't there. And But I... <laughs> 
I do believe them. I, I believe what they say. And so he gave him one year in prison. Now, I, from what my understanding is, if he had given him a year and a day, he could have gotten out of prison early. But because he sentenced him to one year, he must serve one year in prison. Away from his family, away from his business, uh, leaving his wife to fend for herself and try to, um, you know, come up with paying the bills every month and three little children. Plus, he got a year probation after that. So he has to not only go to prison, but he has to have probation after that. Plus, he gave him a fine for doing nothing for a nonviolent walking in and walking out of the Capitol. That's that's insane. There is a give, send, go that I wanted to, to mention to help with the legal expenses your your family has incurred in all of this. But I wanted to read something on that page. It says, quote, there are people in D.C. selling the illusion of freedom to the neoliberals. Well, surreptitiously and menacingly controlling the narrative and the people of this great country, using intimidation, manipulation via force and direct systematic oppression. The leftist government keeps coming with a putrid aroma of an early Venezuela or Cuba. This effort, this case, this movement that the James Westbury gentlemen have embarked on is for God and for country. So just kind of wanted your closing remarks here, Rosemary, uh, in all of this uh, after the last uh, couple of years your family has endured. You know, I would not wish this on anyone. And, you know, my son Jonah, uh, initially he blamed himself because he was the one that was recording. And so he thought he brought this upon ourselves. And, and And I had to clarify to him, I said, Jonah, I said, this is not you. God put us here for a purpose. And as hard as that sounds, I know that I know that I know that God's purposes will be fulfilled. And if we had gone there and just been like the, the multi-millions that were there and went home without having this come upon us, it in my estimation, it wouldn't have been brought to the, to light the way that it is today, at least for us. And so we stand. We stand for freedom. And we stand against corruption. We stand with some of the most incredible... men and women that I think I've ever, ever met. And I... And I consider it an honor to stand with the likes of Isaac Yoder, to stand with Jacob Lang, to stand with all of those, Stuart Rhodes, to stand with all of those who stand against tyranny. Because that's what this is. This is tyranny. And nobody can deny that this is a tyrannical system that's in place. I have to say, but God, God is just and good and holy. And I, and I fear for those who don't acknowledge that. There is a verse in the Bible that says, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone. That includes everyone. Those that are in Washington, D.C. and the judges 
that are submitting to this tyranny, there has to be, I don't know if they have something over their heads, I just don't know. But for there to be a 99.4% conviction rate, that's unheard of. That's absolutely unheard of. Nowhere else could you find that. Rosemary Westbury, we thank you so much for being able to talk about this, and we we certainly wish uh, the best for your family moving forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. That will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.